Hey, everybody. All right, come on in. Come on in. We're going to get started in one second. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you, any of you were there for financial consciousness training, but we just finished that up. And uh, and I hope everybody's doing good. I hope your stocks are doing well. We're going to do all stocks right now. There's, that's, uh, there's a lot to talk about here, too. Uh, and I'm going to also share with you all some stocks. I did not give, uh, I did not put the stocks. If you go to what Dr. Boyce is buying, I haven't listed the stocks there yet. So what I'm going to do is mention the ticker symbols to you, have them written down. And uh, all right, so let me see who's in here. Okay, Albert, Amani Walker. Amani's on our team. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can talk to Amani right there in the chat. Or you can also email support at theblackbusinessschool.com. Dave Joseph, Bays. Uh, good morning, Denise. Otis McDonald, good to see you. Terrell Griffin, uh, Lila, Linford, Lori, Patrick. Uh, good to see you. Uh, it's Therese, Trine, uh, RP, good to see you as well. Uh, Arno Grant. I had a cousin named Arno. Um, he, he was uh, one of my one of my interesting cousins. Um, let's see here. Uh, Justin Pender. Good to see you. Josephine Rainwater. Uh, Khaleesi Game of Thrones, as always. Shaquana. Uh, let's see here. King May. Uh, uh, all right. Good, good morning, everybody. Okay, so let's start. Let's jump in. And uh, by the way, if you have a question about a stock or something like that, and you want me to look it up, uh, or if you have any questions, period, um, just uh, put the uh, question in the Q&A section. And what I'm going to do is is give a, hopefully a productive stream of consciousness on things that I'm viewing in the stock market. So overall, uh, the stock market is uh, doing quite pretty well. I, I don't know what it did today, uh, yet I, I didn't really get a chance to look at it because uh, we started our uh, consciousness training. But Basically, the market has been really, really strong, and uh, and you guys know how I think. My my thought is that um, that the when the market's strong like that, that's when you kind of want to get ready because, um, you know, it, it, it's it's just one of those things where uh, it's it's inevitable that you're going to have a correction at some point. Um, now you do have a lot of crazy strength happening on some stuff that I hope that you were considering when we talked about it. Bitcoin is just out of control. It's over 50,000 now. Uh, I don't know what it is right now. Let me take a look at Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is way up. Uh, you also have, here's the other thing too. Here's another thing that you may want to consider is that a lot of people believe Ethereum is also going to go away. Okay. Bitcoin dropped a little bit today. So it's back down to 48,800. I personally, if you want my two cents, do I think that's a buying opportunity? The answer is yes. Um, I do believe it's a buying opportunity. Um, I think that Bitcoin, every indicator, everything I'm seeing says Bitcoin is going to go up. Uh, the creation of the Bitcoin ETF has been uh, a massive catalyst for uh, for the rise of Bitcoin. So when they created these ETFs, everybody was looking for a way to, or all these fund managers were buying Bitcoin so they could put it in the funds and stuff like that. This is the same effect that happens when a company gets put in the S&P 500. Uh, Elon Musk worked really hard to get into the S&P 500 uh, because he knew that that was going to lead to a boost in Tesla stock. And so, uh, and it really did. It actually, when, when they, uh, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when they were admitted to the S&P 500, all the fund managers that tracked the S&P had to buy Tesla stock. And uh, and now now Tesla's interesting. We, I want to talk about Tesla in a second uh, because that stock has just it's become a dog lately. Uh, but but anyway, so the same thing is true with Bitcoin. And then also now people are applying, companies are applying for spot uh, ETFs in Ethereum too. So again, not investing advice, 
But my belief is that Bitcoin and Ethereum are just really good, solid long-term investments. Uh, they could be disrupted in the event that there is some sort of um, issue with, uh, you know, with regulation or something like that. But ultimately, the, you know, the, all indicators point to the sky when it comes to Bitcoin and Ethereum. So, uh, you know, so if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm buying a lot of both. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, in terms of stocks that I like, a couple that I like, I I, I started buying some uranium. Uh, uranium uh, is uh, is a, is, a, is basically this chemical that is required to make uh, nuclear power. So a lot of company, a lot of countries are turning to nuclear power because they're afraid of the industry shocks that come with. Uh, they come with um, with you know the the old forms of energy, right? Like oil, basically oil from the Middle East and uh, oil from Russia in particular. So uh, from the research I've done, there uh, is a push long term or a, a belief that long term ownership in uranium can be uh, a good move financially. Uh, one uh, ticker you may want to look at is the Global X Uranium ETF. The Global X Uranium ETF. That ticker symbol is URNM, URNM. I see uranium as kind of one of those like five to 10 year plays, but uh, consistently buying just a little bit every week or whatever you can afford. Uh, it looks like something that could be beneficial for you. Now, um, the other thing that I mentioned, so we mentioned Bitcoin, we mentioned uranium. The other thing too is, is you got this whole online gambling thing, and I've talked, I've told you guys how I'm kind, of, I'm really against it, and 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 obviously there are ethical considerations to make, <clears throat> as it pertains to what uh, this these massive growth in gambling addictions is going to do to our society. I think that Disney, being a family oriented company that owns ESPN, should be a little bit ashamed of themselves that they're that they're promoting sports betting. But and the NFL used to actually say that we will not promote it. They they literally say we we don't we don't touch gambling. Gambling is terrible, blah, 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 blah. Because they had a lot of stories of athletes that became gambling addicts and just ruined their lives. Uh, Art Schlichter. Art Schlichter is one example. He was a former Heisman Trophy trophy candidate, number four draft pick almost won a national championship in my alma mater, Ohio State. I'm wearing my Indiana University uh, thing because I went to IU, but Ohio State's the team I, I tend to claim because they're just a better team anyway. And um, that's because that's where I got my PhD. But anyway, so uh, Art Schlichter was uh, a top a top 10 pick, and he goes to the NFL, and because his gambling addiction was so great, he literally gambled away his half or his entire signing bonus halfway through the season. So halfway through the season, his money was all gone. And so this gambling problem stayed with him. And in fact, it was so bad that art was arrested last week with a crack pipe in his back pocket. So literally 40 years after he was drafted in the NFL draft, this man is still struggling. His whole life was ruined because of a gambling addiction. So uh, I would say, just be really careful with that. However, if you want to look at it just strictly from a financial standpoint, again, no judgment uh, on how you want to respond to this. Uh, there is a, an expectation that this industry is going to keep growing. In fact, you know, gambling and casino stuff, that is, it, it, according to the rules of capitalism, that's the best product you can have because that's an addictive product. So customers are going to keep buying no matter what, no matter what the consequences are, no matter what the price is. So uh, there is one ticker under gambling that you may want to look at if you want to invest in these casinos and that is bets b-e-t-z b-e-t-z and uh if i'm not mistaken i think bets i believe it's an etf that's connected to all the gaming companies but maybe i'm wrong uh let me see here bets 
bets is uh let me google it real quick so yeah it's the round hill sports betting and i gaming etf and so uh let me pull up my let me pull up my phone and i will read to you what they do um in case you want to take a look all right so bets is b-e-t-z Okay, so the BETS ETF, uh, gaming ETF, tracks an index of global companies that are involved in sports betting in the iGaming industry with tilted exposure to those with higher income derived from these themes. The listed names named for BETS, B-E-T-Z, is the Round Hill Sports Betting and, and uh, iGaming ETF. Top 10 holdings are uh, Flutter Entertainment, DraftKings, Evolution AB, Entame PLC, Kendrick Group PLC, Churchill Downs, uh, Le Francois de Sway, I don't know, they base Jews, I, I can't say it. Betson AB. So, so this doesn't include all the sports betting companies. So, uh, there's also Penn Entertainment, uh, let's see here, uh, MGM, stuff like that, uh, some of the Vegas casinos. So, if you want to get involved, you can. Um, it's out there, right? Uh, now let's go back. We were talking about Tesla earlier. Tesla stock used to be a stock I loved, I don't love it anymore. Uh, because Tesla is struggling. Uh, they are lowering their prices again because they're no longer dominating the EV industry the way that they did. And uh, this is one of those things that is going to probably continue to get worse because on top of that, Elon Musk is a CEO who kind of just does stuff that doesn't make any sense. And I, I'm not going to lie, I got a little bit offended because this this fool put out a he put out a post claiming that black people have lower IQs than white people. And that's when I said, okay, man, now, now I can, now I can't defend you anymore. I can't support you. I, you know, I, I used to cheer for this guy to, you know, be able to go to Mars and, and, and do what he's going to do. And I, and I don't get offended easily, but I know we ain't got lower IQs than white folks. I'm, I'm smarter than him, much smarter. He just, he's just white and has a billion dollars, but you know, he doesn't have a PhD. So you can get out of my face with that nonsense. So, so yeah. So Elon Musk uh, is on my doo-doo list uh, and Tesla stock. Uh, a lot of indicators are that Tesla is not the high flyer that it used to be. So um, if you want to invest in it, maybe there are still, there's still a bull case possibly for Tesla. But uh, I would say be really, really careful because some would say that it could be overvalued. Now, speaking of overvalued, there are many who believe that this market in general is overvalued, especially the Magnificent Seven, especially these big tech stocks. I heard something somewhere. I'm always taking in the financial information. I don't always remember where everything came from. But I could have swore they said if you added up the market caps of all the, the uh, top five to seven tech companies, you get a you get an amount of money that's greater than the GDP of some of the biggest countries on the planet. So the so what's happened is that a big part of the world investing is, has been sort of shoved into just a few companies, Microsoft and Apple and Nvidia and a couple others. And um, okay, now someone said the audio is is low. Can you all hear me? Give me a yes if you can hear me. Okay, let me know if you can hear me. If you can't hear me, then uh, maybe I can fix my audio. Am I coming through all right? Okay, thank you, Lori and Veronica. Okay, and Pecola and Elhash, I appreciate that. Okay, so so what does that mean? Well, uh, I was looking, I, I took some screenshots because I go to the gym in the morning and, and I'm just taking in financial stuff while I'm in the gym. So I took screenshots on stuff that I thought would be helpful uh, to you for, for investing. Um, and uh, one screenshot, I wish I could show it to you. 
basically one thing that they look at to determine if a stock is overvalued or undervalued, but it's not a precise measure, is what they call the price earnings ratio. And what they do is they look at the expected earn, uh, earnings of the company and they take the current price, they divide it by the expected earnings per share. And if that number is really big, that means that the price is really big relative to the earnings. So it's almost... Uh, you know, like um, when Tiger Woods first got signed with Nike and he was a young athlete, he hadn't won any tournaments. He hadn't made any had he didn't have any winnings, but he got this hundred million dollar contract. So so and the reason they paid him that contract was not based on what he had done because he hadn't really done anything. They paid him based on what he was expected to do. So the amount that he'd made was small compared to his overall value. So his value as an athlete was like the price the amount he'd made was his earnings. So his price earnings ratio is really high. So typically fast growing, small, young companies tend to have a much higher PE ratio than older, mature companies that have kind of been there, done that. So a LeBron James, if you were to measure an athlete's ability in a PE ratio framework, LeBron James's PE ratio will be relatively low because his best days are kind of behind him. Whereas a young athlete like a Tiger Woods back in 1997 had a high PE ratio. But now the old Tiger Woods has a low PE ratio. That's why Nike said, you know, thank you, but you know, good, good luck with your life. It was a great, it was a nice 25 year run. And now I think he just signed a deal with Taylor made or something like that. I don't know if it's, if the money's the same or close, but they're paying him more based on what he's accomplished and, and the, the recognition that he has, as opposed to Nike who paid him based on what they thought he was going to do. They did the same thing with Michael Jordan. They signed him based on what they felt he was going to do as an athlete. So Nike apparently has good long-term vision. So uh, Apple, their 10-year average price earnings ratio is 18.9. Their current price earnings ratio is 27.8. So it is higher than before, which is an argument for some to say Apple might be overvalued. I don't agree. I do not agree. And the reason I don't agree is because I think Apple has underplayed itself as it pertains to uh, to its AI play. I believe Apple has something under its sleeve when it comes to AI that's going to be revolutionary. Uh, I think that this this little headset that they released, I think that's just the beginning. Um, I look forward to seeing what they come up with. They probably got some crazy top secret project that's going to change the whole world. And uh, I think that's when the stock price is going to take off. I think they're going to create a whole new set of revenue streams off that. But maybe that's wishful thinking. Microsoft's 10-year average uh, PE ratio is 23.9. Okay. Uh, the current P.E. ratio is 33. So Microsoft's P.E. ratio is about 50 percent higher than it's been over the last 10 years. That could be an argument to say Microsoft could be overvalued. So if you like this company, so it's still a good business. It just may not be a good stock. So never think that a, a stock is a good stock just because it's a good business. Never think that a bad business is a bad stock. That's not true. It's all about what the price is that you could buy it for relative to what it's actually worth. So some would argue that this could be the case to, to, to say that maybe Microsoft is a little overpriced. Maybe wait for it to cool down. Again, not investing advice. Nothing is precise. These are just estimates. Uh, Alphabet, their price earnings ratio is about the same as it was for the last 10 years. It used to be 22.8 over the last decade. Now it's 21.5. Um, okay, that's just data, just information. Amazon. Their price earnings ratio historically was 118. Now their current price earnings ratio is only 40.6. So their PE ratio is a, almost a little bit more than a third of what it was over the last 10 years. Some could make the argument to say, oh, well, maybe Amazon's undervalued. 
right? Maybe because their PE ratio is so low relative to what it used to be. I don't quite agree because Amazon 10 years ago is very different from the company that Amazon is now. 10 years ago, they were younger. They were more flexible. They were growing rapidly. Now they're not growing rapidly as much or anymore. They're not, they're not this fast growing um, young kid anymore. They're this big fat elephant that isn't going to grow that much. So that, that there's a difference between the way a seven-year-old might grow. It's, let's say human being terms, a seven-year-old is going to grow faster than, than a 19-year-old. Okay, so maybe the seven-year-old Amazon is different from the 19-year-old Amazon. Uh, what else? Uh, another company, NVIDIA, their P.E. ratio uh, over the last 10 years is about 34.9. It's currently 34.1, so about the same. And then Meta Platforms, their P.E. ratio is slightly lower than it's been over the last 10 years. What do I get out of this? Not a lot. Um, the biggest thing I would say is that there is a belief that the AI hype is not going to play out as well as some might think. It's going to make a difference. It's going to be huge. But typically when assets get valued really high like that, based on the expectation of some emerging industry, the market tends to have what they call irrational exuberance. The market tends to overestimate what is actually going to occur. So historically, we tend to be wrong. That's the point. So if you want my two cents, um, I, I would not necessarily be in a rush to buy into this market unless somehow maybe today the market just really dropped. Um, let me let me just see. I should just look and see what it what it did today. Uh, okay, here we go. It dropped uh four hundred points today. So maybe this is a buying opportunity. Uh, so it but this four hundred point drop was fully expected. I knew there was going to be a day like this. I just didn't know which day it was going to be. So after I finish talking to you, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go buy some of those stocks. I've been sitting on the sideline thinking about buying because you know, remember, if you look at a company like a Microsoft, let's say you were thinking about buying Microsoft yesterday, and uh, and the price has changed, right? So right now, Microsoft stock. What does a share cost you? And remember, you don't have to pay the whole amount for a full share. You could buy a fractional share. You buy $20 worth of Microsoft. But the current price is $408, right? So yesterday, Microsoft stock or it was trading at uh, four, $420, $420. Now it's trading at $408. So give me a yes or no. Is Microsoft a different company from what it was yesterday? Are they in a whole different line of business? Did they switch industries? Did they fire half their employees? Yes or no? Are they or, or are they pretty much the same? They're the same. They haven't changed. It's the same company, different price. So if you like that company and, and that's what you believe in, that's the horse you want to ride, then maybe this is the time to dollar cost average your way in and buy a little bit more stock if you have the extra money. Okay. All right. So because um, the market tends to have these re reversals, these ebbs and flows, uh, what's going to happen long term? I don't know. I'm curious to see. Let me read this article here. I'll read it out loud and kind of give you my first impression. It says here that stocks dropped on Tuesday after hotter than expected inflation data. So this means that the Fed is not done fighting inflation. Uh, let's keep reading. Uh, let's see. The inflation data for January spiked Treasury yields and raised doubts that the Federal Reserve will be able to cut interest rates several times this year. One of the key assumptions that the market was being driven by is this assumption that there would be about a 16% chance that the Fed would cut interest rates in March. When the Fed cuts interest rates, that is a boost in stock prices that pushes prices up. So they had already 
in the current prices factored in this belief that uh, the Fed was going to possibly cut interest rates in March. The 16% was the expectation, and they went up to maybe 60%, I believe, in, in June. So they believe that this summer, it's it's a, a greater than 50% chance that the Fed's going to cut interest rates uh, in the fall, or sorry, in the spring, they thought there was a tiny chance. Now, what's happened here is that that tiny little slither of a chance, that 16%, has now been reduced probably to 1% or 0%. So when, what happens when that occurs is that the models change, the numbers change. So now that the numbers have changed, the stock prices are going to go down because you're dealing with a different market. So right now, effectively, the, uh, the, the inflation data says that the Fed may not only not uh, continue, not drop interest rates, but if it got really bad, they could still theoretically increase interest rates again, which would just be really disastrous for your stocks. So don't fight the Fed. Pay close attention to this. Uh, let's see. the, the uh, What else? It says the consumer price index rose 0.3% in January from December. CPI was up 3.1% on an annual basis. Economists polled by Dow Jones expected CPI to have increased by 0.2%. So uh, everything's about expectations. So the number that they got was higher than the number they expected. Uh, month over month in January and 2.9% from a year earlier. Core prices, which exclude volatile food and energy components, rose 0.4% uh, month over month. Core CPI was expected to have increased 0.3%. So core CPI and standard CPI both uh, went up higher than expected. Quote, this may well come as an easy excuse to take some of the froth out of the top of this market that's been universally higher thus far this year, says Art Hogan, chief strategist at B. Riley Financial. The CPI was, as reported today, just a touch hotter than expectations and proof positive that we're not on a linear path, but we're on a path headed lower. So just like I was telling you guys earlier, a lot of people tend to believe that this market's probably going to have a little bit of a cooling off period, a little bit of a dip. But uh, in fact, one of the indicators that uh, that has concerned some of the analysts is that there's a lot of FOMO right now. Uh, has anybody noticed this? Let me know if you've noticed that people are starting to pay more attention. Uh, you know, the, the market, when it hits a record high, that tends to be a headline. Bitcoin crossed 50,000. What does that do to people that are sitting on the sidelines just watching? What does that do to your cousin who uh, thinks you're stupid for coming to stock market class, but yet he's still trying to get money? in the street or trying to get money by working every day or whatever right well when he sees that these headlines he turns to you and says hey cuz so what do you think about bitcoin or, or what, what's a good stock i can buy right so that's what so what that's what sort of happens what happens when the market takes off like this and it gets all the headlines is you get what they call what you might call a taylor swift effect the same way taylor swift coming to the super bowl and watching the nfl games led to the highest attendance in NFL games ever, highest viewership ever. The Super Bowl was the highest viewed television event in the history of television. Literally, it was the most viewed event in the history of television. Why? Well, because all of the little girls who follow Taylor Swift are suddenly paying attention because they heard that Taylor's boyfriend is playing in the Super Bowl. So the same thing happens with the stock market. When the stock market starts making its moves and starts making money, everybody wants money, People start paying attention. Everybody wants to get in. This pushes prices. <laughs> this pushes prices up, and uh, and similar to the way Al Michaels, I believe that was his name, on Monday Night Football, got upset. I don't know if y'all know this. If y'all follow this, and I thank you, David. Um, Al Michaels, I think it was Al Michaels. He got mad over the Taylor Swift thing. He said, "Why are we always talking about this lady Taylor Swift? We should be talking about football." He's a fundamentalist. He believes that football should be about football, not about 
the sideshow happening, you know, in the stands. Well, the same thing happens in the stock market. When a lot of sideline investors start jumping in, it starts to disrupt the models a little bit because stock prices get pushed to unnatural levels. They get they, you get to the point where you have weird things happen, like the meme stock phenomenon was very frustrating to financial scientists or financial experts because we've got these models that are supposed to tell you what a stock is supposed to be worth. And if you did those models on AMC, it would tell you this stock is garbage. This stock is worth a quarter or 50 cents maybe. So to see that stock get priced at $100 a share just makes you say, what the hell is happening right now? But eventually what they say happens is long-term, eventually stocks go back to the price that they're supposed to be or somewhere around the fundamental value. So right now, we're, we're in the middle of a period that is turning into irrational exuberance. If more good news comes out and the market gets pushed to more and more record highs, then this is an opportunity for not only for you to make money and to get rewarded for the fact that many of you have been holding stocks even during the dark periods of, uh, in 2022, et cetera. But then number two, uh, it's it's the time for you to start preparing for the decline. And, you know, I always tell you guys, you got to prepare for the winter when it's summer. You don't prepare for the winter when it's cold. You prepare, prepare for the winter when it's hot. You buy your umbrella when it's sunny. You don't buy your umbrella in the rain. When it rains, umbrellas suddenly become more expensive. So if you're protecting your portfolio with things like put options or stop loss orders or whatever, Get that stuff in place when the market is really taking off. Or also, if you're into selling options, which is something that we do on the Prime program, um, then that, you know what I did this week? Let me tell you what I did. Um, because I suspected that this was going to happen. Again, nothing is precise. Nobody knows. But I did write my dissertation on stock market reversals, on what the market tends to do, how the market just tends to go up and down, up and down, up and down. I saw how good it was doing, and I said it probably won't keep going up. There's a good chance it won't happen. So you know what I did? Uh, it, those of you who are in the Prime program know exactly what I'm talking about. I literally went in and I sold a ton of of, of deep out-of-the-money call options. I said, you know what? Everybody thinks it's going to keep going up. Which, but my thinking is like, no, if it's going up, it's probably going to come down because that's gravity or financial gravity. Uh, and uh, so I, I went to Coinbase and I, the stock price, let's say the price of Coinbase was 145 or something. And I sold a whole bunch of call options with a strike price of like 155 or 150. What, sorry, sorry, 155, 153, one, it was something like that. It was, it was way off, like to the point where I said, there's no way Coinbase is going to grow this much. Although it could, it probably won't. And it didn't. Coinbase went down. So uh, I collected my money uh, and whoever bought those options on the other side, I feel sorry for them. But that's what happens when you follow the crowd. The big thing about investing is you don't want to follow the crowd. You pretty much want to do the opposite of what the crowd is doing. So uh, so so and if you so if you want to know more about the options stuff, uh, feel free to just text the word money to eight, seven, nine, four, eight. I have a training called how to make money without working. You guys could take a look at that. Maybe it'll help you. Uh, it's it's how I make my money. So literally text the word money to eight, seven, nine, four, eight, and I'll send it to you right away. And you can take a look. And also tonight, uh, my wife, uh, I mentioned to you, this to you guys uh, a little bit earlier. I'll mention it again. My wife and I are doing something in the Black Business School from our Black Financial Therapy Department, what we call the Love and Money Lab. Because, you know, my wife is a relationship therapist. So we said, how cool would it be if we, for the first time ever, we've never seen anybody ever do this, where we have two, a couple that's where we both have PhDs, one in finance and one where my wife, is, her PhD is in social work, but she trains therapists. She trains relationship therapists. So she's not just a therapist. She trains the therapist. And I said, what if we took cutting edge research based best practices on love and money and just work that out? 
taught that out, right? So we created something called the lab, uh, LAB, it stands for love and bank accounts. And so if your goal is to uh, use your money to strengthen your relationships or use your relationships to strengthen your money, then uh, you can join us tonight. The event is free. So just text the word love to 87948. If you text love to 87948, I will send you guys a link where you can join us uh, in the event tonight. We're going to do this tonight at eight o'clock. It's free to anybody who wants to come in, anybody who's here, you guys can come in. I, and I know you're going to get value from it. All right. So Shaquana, what apps are you using to invest in stocks and options? Um, for my options, I use Robinhood. For my stocks, I use E-Trade, but you can use a lot of different platforms. Uh, let's see, what websites are you reviewing daily to get information? I review everything. I'll name a few. Uh, CNBC is good. Uh, let's see here. What's another one? Um, uh, Motley Fool is okay. Uh, some of them cost money. Some of them are free. I, I subscribe to a bunch of podcasts on financial stuff, uh, like Wall Street Breakfast and stuff like that. Uh, uh, what, what else? Um, uh, Bloomberg, Business Week. Uh, well, I guess that's the same thing. Uh, business, even business data. I just like I just like to read information. I, I anything financial, I'll try to read it if I can. Uh, but there's plenty of places you can go to get information. So, uh, so there's a lot of resources. So I would say just pick a couple at least and just get in the habit of reading financial stuff every day. That'll be a good way to kind of get on top of stuff. Let me think if I can think of some more. Um, yeah, I think that's 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 the those are kind of the first ones I go to. And then I go to some other ones, too. But a lot of times it'll just be a matter of like me searching, like literally I'll go into Apple News and I'll search for financial stuff and just see what's out there. Uh, let's see. Is GWW a, a stock to invest in? GWW. Let me see. All right. So GWW. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to put a list of stocks. If you log in at the blackstockmarketprogram.com, I've got a list of stocks uh, that you guys can take a look at um, uh, under what Dr. Boyce is buying. And uh, also a benefit of being in the class is that you can come in the Zoom and I, I'll see your questions. And then also I will... Um, also, um, we could when we come to class, I can answer your questions, but then also you get the recordings of everything that we do, and we have free access to other events, uh, other things that we've done that they can help you in your investing journey. All right, so uh, GWW, the analysts don't really like it. It looks like this company is is great. Uh, Granger, they supply maintenance, repair, and operating products. Um, they let's see here. Um, the company has uh, has gone up a lot. Wow, the last year it's gone up forty two percent. The last five years has gone up two hundred and twelve percent. I think that analysts tend to believe that it's a little overpriced. Uh, so, but it's been really performing, re performing really well. Uh, I think so far this year. So far, it's up fourteen percent this year. The last year it's gone up forty three percent. Stocks that do that, they tend to get a lot of attention. I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for putting it in your portfolio, but I don't see anything based on the analyst research that tells me that this is a stock that you want to buy. Uh, most of the analysts are saying that you should actually hold the stock if you own it, but not necessarily buy into it. Um, is investing in a dividend ETF a good idea? Which is the best? Uh, you know what, Terrell? I don't know. Uh, let me see here. Uh, dividend ETF. Let me see. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look at Robinhood and search and see if I can find one that I like. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, so they got a Schwab U.S. dividend ETF. You can't go wrong with Schwab. Uh, let's see. The last five years, it's gone up 51%. Its top 10 holdings are Broadcom, AbbVie, Merck, 
Home Depot, Amgen, T- Texas Instruments, Verizon, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Cisco. So these tend to be OG companies. These tend, tend to be companies that are not growing a lot, but they they know how to make money. So if you are a conservative investor who wants companies that are going to generate a lot of cash, maybe not so much a lot of growth, that might be the way to go. Typically, the way investing kind of happens is, is that a lot of times when you invest, you have to decide which one am I trying to be? Am I trying to be a speculator who's seeking growth? Or am I a person who's simply trying to uh, achieve income and and or and just maintain? Am I trying to get rich or am I trying to stay rich? Right? Uh, or am I, am I trying to grow my capital or am I trying to protect my capital? Just like in a basketball game, there's a strategy you use when you're 20 points behind, but then there's another strategy you use when you're 20 points ahead. Do you understand? So basically, uh, if I'm if I'm in in the space where I'm trying to Oh, uh, you said that's the wrong company. Did I get the company wrong? I looked up GWW. Maybe I, I hope I didn't get it wrong. Let me see. Let me double check that. GWW. That was, oh, not you. Okay. Not you, my assessment. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, Albert. Okay. Sorry about that. Albert got me a little self-conscious there. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah. So, ultimately, if I'm invested in dividend-paying stocks, it's more so to preserve capital. Like, you, you know, Coca-Cola is not a company that's going to help you get rich. If you want to get rich, the best ways to get rich are growth stocks or stock options or maybe or creating a product and selling the product. Selling, being able to sell a good product is is the best way to really make money and build capital. And then once you build capital, you have to protect the capital. So you build the lead, then you protect the lead. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, let's see here. You mentioned uranium as a stock that you were buying, but uranium has five different stocks. Yeah, uh, I picked a uranium ETF, U-R-N-M, U-R-N-M. Can you explain an earnings call? What all is done during this time? Yes, uh, er- earnings call, uh, King May, is basically when the company is required to talk to its investors. Every company that's publicly traded has a set of regulations that they have to uh, that they have to follow in order to trade publicly to in order to take money from the public there are a whole bunch of laws securities laws you have to follow one of the laws most of the laws many of the laws have to do with information you have to have transparency and full disclosure that's why some people don't even want the companies to go public because they don't want to have to tell all their business if you want your company to go public you've got to tell your investors what's going on you can't just say well don't worry about it you know whatever so um an earnings call is where the CEO it gets on the phone with uh, analysts and, and any investor that wants to listen in. And they talk about a couple of things. They talk about how much money they made, where they made the money, what happened this past quarter. And then also they, they give what they call guidance. And guidance is really important. That can move a stock price. They kind of say, look, this is what we see ahead. Because here's the thing. There is uh, in, there's a whole theory of this on finance uh, called information asymmetry. Information asymmetry is where one party has less information than the other. So the information asymmetry works in the favor of the CEO. The CEO has uh, has has this information advantage where they can see what deals they're about to make, what major contracts they're about to sign, what's going to happen, you know, with their customer base, what the data is telling them. So a lot of people watch and listen to the CEO to see if they can understand what's going on with the company. And the more clarity the CEO provides, the better the stock price tends to be. And then also CEOs get punished heavily by the market when they give information that is inaccurate 
or they give estimates that are a little bit too too glossy or whatever. So CEOs have every incentive to be as honest as they can be. They'll just be flat out honest. Look, this 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 competition over here is really kicking our butt. We lost a million customers over here, right, et cetera. And, um, and that guidance can move a stock price. So sometimes a stock price might go up because in the earnings call, the CEO announces they made more money than they thought they were going to make. They beat expectations, uh, but then it could, it could actually go up even when they make more money or sorry, it could go down in that situation where they made more money because the guidance is so bad. So they could say, look, we made more money this past quarter because of this, this, and this, but let me, let me tell you this upcoming year, We've got all these problems. I'm really worried. So then that could actually move the price down. Okay. So that's when it's basically an information exchange. Mark Lamond, why do you favor selling calls over buying options? The buy side seems more profitable. Uh, well, you know what, Mark? Uh, it's 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 a personal opinion. But a lot of the research says that people that buy out-of-the-money call options lose money. And, uh, and so also, remember, options, when you're buying a call option, in most cases, what you're doing is you are – buying risk you're buying volatility that's that's how you can make money you buy it for three dollars you're hoping that you could sell it for 10 or something like that um i like to sell options because i'm not really looking to speculate i'm looking to reduce risk i'm looking to get income so what i'll do with my stocks is certain stocks not all of them i'll just in order to make my weekly income so i can have money to pay bills and credit cards and all that i'll just have some options like i have a bunch of shares in coinbase and I, I sell a bunch of those options every single week and I get a few thousand dollars and I use that money to pay my credit cards and stuff like that. So what I've kind of done is I've sold the uh, I've sold a little bit of the upside in the company. I don't sell it all, though. So, like, let's say the Coinbase stock is trading at 140. I might sell an option that has a strike price of 150 or 155. So that means that even if the stock does hit that high strike price, which it probably won't. But if it does, it's OK. I still I still make money. I just don't get all the money. Somebody else is going to make some money because I sold them some rights right so this happens all the time it happens in the movie industry a lot of times when when a company buys a script they don't buy the movie they actually buy the rights to the movie and so rights can be sold and there's a whole market for it and it's beautiful it's amazing i love it and uh and it's one of the reasons that american financial markets are pretty strong capitalism can be very bad very toxic but that's one of the good sides of capitalism is well-functioning markets that allow you to get liquidity uh you can get you can extract your value in cash uh, and that that just makes things easier all right, so let's see. Byron Jackson, Dr. B, do you have any idea why a stock will drop when the company will have an earnings call, regardless uh, if they did a great previous quarter and positive outlooks as they announced? Well, you know, Byron, I don't think that's true in every single case that the that the stock will drop for an earnings call. It kind of depends, I think, uh, when you talk about just what the expectation is, right? So as the earnings call is coming up, there may be a leak. There may be some news that people, uh, rumors that people are kind of pushing around that uh that are are negative or positive toward the company and that can move the stock price up or up or down in anticipation of what what the earnings call is going to be so earnings calls tend to be what i call a moment uh, where the stock is financially pregnant and pregnant means it's going to give birth to something something is about to happen it could be a boy it could be a girl it could be a pretty baby it could be an ugly baby but something's about to happen and what happens when the stock is pregnant is you have natural volatility that happens so the options markets tend to get very active 
when uh, when news and information is about to be released, when they're about to say something, the options market is basically a bunch of people. Think about it like the Super Bowl, right? In the Super Bowl, that was a pregnant moment. That was a moment where nobody knew if the 49ers were going to be able to win and, and, and because the 49ers were favored to beat the Chiefs. But Patrick Mahomes said, don't ever bet against me. We're never the underdogs. So uh, everyone was there to watch and see, like, what's going to happen? Is, is Patrick going to win or the 49ers going to ruin the Chiefs kingdom? And uh, and the thing and so what happened there? Well, you had a record-setting amount of speculation that occurred around that game. You had uh, 18 billion, 20 billion dollars worth of bets placed on whether or not Mahomes was going to win in the Chiefs or if the 49ers are going to win. And so uh, so the same thing happens with the options market. When when there's an earnings announcement, you don't know who's going to win the game. You don't know who's going to beat the spread. You don't know if they're going to announce a number that exceeds the expectation or if it's going to be a number that is lower than the expectation. Whether they make money is not really the issue. A company can announce that, look, we lost a billion dollars last quarter and their stock price could go way up. How could that happen if you lost a billion dollars? Well, if they expected you to lose $1.5 billion and you only lost a billion, well, that's good news. That's great news. That might be the best stock in your portfolio. This crappy little company that's losing money hand over fist might be the best investment in your portfolio. So never think that a good company is always a good investment or that a bad company is always a bad investment. Sometimes the bad companies can be the best investments in your portfolio. You really want to look at expectations and where the company stands relative to expectations. And information is everything. Information is everything. Information is everything. Uh, literally, they have laws that shape how information can be disseminated, when you can release the information, when you must release it, what you must tell the public, what you cannot tell the public, how you need to release this information to the public. Uh, and if you violate those laws, then that's why Martha Stewart went to prison. That's why she's hanging out with Snoop Dogg, because she violated the information rules of the market. Somebody gave her information she was not supposed to have, and it biased the markets in her favor. She got busted. Next thing you know, she went to jail. All right. Let's see here. Let's see about time you recognize who Elon Musk really is. I know, I know, I know. I gotta, I, I have to, I have to uh, take a pie in the face on that one because because I've I've always been a big fan of him. I've, I've always wanted to root for him, and I do still have a degree of respect for what he does as a CEO. But also, um, you know, I mean, you know, to put out that stupid statement about black people having lower IQs that just reminds us that you were born in apartheid. It's like, come on, you know. But but still though, at the same time, I admit that I'm not really offended by what white people say about me. Cause I just assume that a lot of them don't like me and I'm okay with that. Cause I like myself and my mama likes me and God likes me. That's all I need. I don't need, I don't, I don't walk through life wondering if white people like me or not. And, uh, and that's just my two cents. So I don't personally think we should walk around where they're not worried about what you think about them. Am I right? Or am I right? Seriously? Do you really think white folks are sitting around wondering, well, I wonder if black people like me or not. I need them to like me for me to feel for me to feel validated, for me to feel important. It hurt my feelings. A black guy told me that he didn't. They don't care. They don't care what you think. So why do you care what they think? That that's self-esteem. That's what that is. We 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 are we worship them. We kind of really need their opinions of us to be favorable. And it's it's kind of a mental illness. I, I'm not a fan of it. So even though I will say that no, I don't, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk in that regard. Uh I I just don't think about it much. I just mentioned it, but also I'm more offended by the fact that Elon Musk has become such a bad CEO <clears throat> because he just, he's making bad, bad decisions that are eventually going to catch up with him. My, mark my words, write this down. 
at some point you're going to see a bad headline with Elon Musk. Something, something is going to happen. Uh, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to slip in the shower. I don't know if he's going to end up getting Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know if he's going to, um, and I don't wish this on him at all. Uh, but I, he, he's going to get charged with something. Uh, something's going to happen, or or maybe his companies will just start to fail because maybe he'll just fall out of favor. But he's not going to last. I don't see him being who he is for the, like say the next ten or fifteen years. He's a ticking time bomb, and his his investors are even suing him because of his behavior. You know, he's using illegal drugs and all kinds of stuff that he's doing that's just inappropriate uh, for somebody in that position. And what disappoints me about it is I thought we were just all going to like build a spaceship to Mars. Like I was, I was really hoping, <laughs> hoping that he, you know, he would get that, that Mars thing done. But, but how can you do that when you're that distracted? I, I don't, I don't like all the distractions. Just focus, just build your little rocket ship, man. I, I'll, I'll cheer you on. I don't care what kind of person you are. I, I think it's good for humanity. But he's he's trying to be so much more, and I think that's going to catch up with him. But anyway, whatever. All right, so let's keep going. Maurice, what percentage of a, a person should invest in gold because of the U.S. debt? Uh, I, I don't put more than five to seven percent of my portfolio in any one particular asset. Uh, so, but gold, yeah, GLD. That's the ticker symbol. GLD. That's the ticker for the gold ETF. So you can get some exposure to gold that way. Also, some believe that Bitcoin is digital gold. Uh, which was basically just a protection against inflation. So when inflation goes higher, another protector against inflation, and inflation is never going to go away. The dollar is going to continue to degrade itself. Another protector is real estate. So uh, really, I would encourage you, if you haven't looked into some of these uh, FHA loans and other programs to buy a house, don't be scared. You'd be amazed how many programs they have. They help people with with credit problems uh, to to buy a home. And, uh, and, and, and maybe that'll get you that pathway to home ownership. Uh, but real estate ownership is another hedge against inflation because when inflation goes up and the dollar, the value the value, of the dollar goes down, uh, real estate values tend to go up because there's only so much real estate. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Next question. Okay. Let's answer a couple more questions. Then we can head out for today. Uh, let's see. Latoya says, this is a broad business question. All right. Fire away. What is your opinion about 401k rollovers for business startups to provide capital to start a business? My husband and I are thinking about doing this to fund our business without debt. That's not a bad idea, Latoya, but I would really talk, I would do some research on the tax implications or any penalties you might have to pay if you did the rollover. And then remember too, this is money that's supposed to be there for retirement. So I could not in in good conscience advise you to put a, a lot of your retirement money into a new business. But I understand uh, you're talking to a guy who did some of that. I, I borrowed against my see people think retirement money is just money you're going to use when you get old. That's not true. That is not true. That, you know, the reason if I, if I was to give any motivation and you can say this, say, share this with your kids and nephews and grandkids. If I was to give any motivation for a 20 year old to go ahead and start saving for retirement, I would explain it like this. I wouldn't say, yeah. You know, if you start saving now, by the time you're 65, you'll have a trillion dollars. They don't care about when they're 65. They're 20. Why? If I'm 20, why am I thinking about being 65? A better motivator, in my opinion, it would have motivated me, is to say that when you're investing this money tax-free, you're building a capital base. You're giving yourself financial security. You're giving yourself an escape pod in case you want to quit your job. And you need access to some capital to make sure you can pay some bills since you told your boss to kiss your butt or you want to go start that black owned business or whatever it is you're trying to do. 
that money you've been popping into that 401k or the IRA and that's been growing tax-free, that money can be something that you can borrow against. You see, that's when you're that's when you're acting like a rich person. Stop. Let's stop acting black and let's start acting rich until acting black is it's the same as acting rich. When acting black becomes acting rich, then I want to be the blackest person in the room. But right now, acting black is not the same as acting rich. Acting black is unfortunately for the, in the eyes of some, it is about being short sighted. It's about thinking only in terms of the next paycheck. It's about sort of living on the edge, it, being in the struggle nomics game. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want you to act like rich people. Let me tell you what one thing that rich people do. A couple of things rich people do is one, they accumulate stuff. They accumulate assets. They don't. They're not interested in throwing all their money away. They, 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 they're piling their money up somewhere. They're putting it in into what they call in economics, we call these stores of value. So they're storing their wealth in different places in real estate. Then they put, they go over here and they buy some art Then they'll buy some, some stock, right? Even if it's $10 a week, $50 a week, a hundred dollars a week, it doesn't matter. They're, they're piling stuff up, right? That's the first, that's what makes them rich. How, that's how, that's what a rich person is. All a rich person is, is somebody who has a bunch of stuff, right? Right. Do you agree? Give me a yes if you're following this. Okay, second thing rich people do is they do this strategy called buy, borrow, and die. So as they're accumulating all this stuff and building up all this stuff throughout their lives, they uh, they don't sell their stuff unless they have to a lot of times or unless they have a better investment. They just own the stuff. And then when they need money, they borrow against the stuff they have or they go and they take the assets they have, asset management. We used that term earlier, asset management. They manage that asset. They generate the cash flow they need from the asset. It's like if I am hungry and I have 50 apple trees and I need an apple, I can just pull one off the tree and keep the tree keeps growing. I still got the tree, but now I got an apple off the tree. Okay. So uh, so they they take the assets and they Use those assets to generate the cash flow that they're going to need to live. Their most valuable asset is no longer their physical body or their labor or their master's degree. Their biggest asset becomes their real estate, their stocks, and their other, maybe even their relationships. So it's not just about financial stuff. If they use these assets to, uh, to either, if, if they're doing the buy, borrow, and die strategy, they'll just borrow a bunch of money against the asset and then the loan becomes due and maybe they refinance the loan or they get another loan to to, to help repay back the, the the previous loan and they just kind of do this borrowing thing where they're borrowing against the assets because those assets are growing in value the whole time you're owning them generally speaking so they're getting richer and they're able to kind of just keep doing this borrowing thing and then eventually they just die and when they die they pass everything over to their kids. They go look into basic things like a, an irrevocable trust and they put their money in a trust and then everything goes to the kids and then the kids start the game over, but they have to pay just like reparations. They pay nothing for all the money, all the capital gains that their parents earned all throughout their lifetime. So the kids are starting up on level 10 because you hustle to get from level zero to level 9.5. Okay. And, uh, and that's what they do, right? So, uh, what I would say in another way, another thing rich people might do is they, if they want to generate income, they can do things like, well, I guess I'm a rich guy. I sell stock options a lot and I like to do that. Um, I, I borrow against my, my wealth or I can sell stock options on the stocks that I own and have more money. I make more money than than a heart surgeon just by selling stock options and I do it without going to work at all. Why? Well, because I created a capital base. 
And uh, I was not born with this capital base. I built it throughout my lifetime. So don't you ever dare let anybody ever tell you that being born poor means you're supposed to be poor all your entire life. Because ain't nobody watching this podcast, not one single one of you, will, will can ever say that you were poorer than I was. I Or better yet, how, no, how, however poor you are or were when you were born, I can go pound for pound with you. My mother was 16 when she got pregnant and didn't have a job. <laughs> and my daddy was already gone before I even came into the world. So we didn't have nothing. We didn't have nothing but God. Right. And 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 so you but the thing the great thing about this country and its financial markets is if you understand the game, there are spaces and opportunities for you to grow and evolve. And 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 I just find it highly unfortunate that so many of us are trained early. To just believe that because we're out of the game, there's no uh, there's no incentive to even try to figure it out. The easy cop out is to say, well, I can't do it because I'm black or white people have everything and white people do this and they do. I I'm tired of that. I don't know about y'all, but I I'm tired of having all these problems with no solution. <laughs> I'm tired of somehow being led to believe that the only solution I have to my problem is that a white man's going to solve my problem for me. That would make me a white supremacist because somehow I'm assuming that my daddy, my white daddy is smarter than me and that daddy's going to come and solve the problem when really I believe I can solve it myself. I believe you can solve the problem yourself. I believe we can do this for our kids. Uh, that, that's what makes this platform and this space different from what you might hear in other places. I'm not, you know, I, I had, um, I, I'll say this and then and I'll answer your Tesla robot question. I see there's one more question about Tesla. I, um, I had a politician reach out to come on to my podcast, that Kennedy guy. And I don't even dislike him. I, I, you know, I think he's interesting, right? He's different from the Democrats and Republicans and Trump and Biden and all that. But I just, I, I started thinking about it. Right. And somebody said, yeah, voice, you know, if you bring him on your podcast, that would be great. It would get a lot of attention to your channel. And I was like, I really don't care. I just don't care. I know I'm supposed to care. Maybe that's a big deal for some people, but I don't care. I don't, I, I, I literally thought to myself, I said, so I got to sit here and listen to this man's scratchy voice. I don't know if you ever heard Kennedy talk. He, he talks like this. It's, it talks his worst guy. Like so I was sitting there thinking, I got to sit here and miss my nap where I can be snuggled up with my baby. And I got to listen to this man's scratchy voice. For two hours talking about a bunch of stuff that I don't even know if I halfway care about, honestly. I'm not saying I don't care. I'm not saying these things don't matter. I'm not telling you not to vote. And I'm not telling you, I'm not, in fact, I'm probably a bad example in this case. But but I will just tell you that I it, it didn't inspire me because I don't think it matters long term. I really don't think it's gonna make a difference. It now somebody was on here, like, oh, so so let's say another example. When I talked to Farrakhan, I was like this. You know, when I sat down with Minister Farrakhan, I listened two hours. I sat in a room with Farrakhan for eight hours one time. It was now in the eight hour meeting. There were about 12 of us in the meeting. The two hour, two and a half hour meeting. It was just me and him. And I just I, my eyes were wide open. I was listening to everything. When I talked to Dr. Claude Anderson, I'm the same way. Wide eyed, taking it all in. Dr. George C. Frazier, people like that. Wide eyed. I'm listening. Why? Because I feel that these are the people that can help move the needle for our people. That's what makes a difference in our families and our homes and our communities. Kennedy, why am I going to be honored to have you on my platform? There's nothing significant about you in my book. You're not more important than the, the people that I'm around every single day. None of these people are more important than you, but society teaches us that these people are more important than us. And I think we fall for that. And I, and I don't, I don't, I believe we need, we got to talk ourselves out of that. 
You are the most important person in your life. Uh, your family is the most important entity that you have. Uh, if you don't have a biological family, then just go find one. Go meet people. Uh, go to the go to go to the convention. You know, the All Black National Convention is going to be in Chicago, October 25th through the 27th. I created this convention. It wasn't a, a, a big business move. We lost money last year. We lost over $100,000 last year at the convention, but I'm never going to stop doing it. Um, and we're going to be in Chicago, uh, October 25th through the 27th. So if you'd like to join us at the convention, uh, there are great people there that you can meet and you can form family with those people. Just be on code, be your best, show up as your best self and network. And I guarantee you, you will find amazing people that you can that you will love forever and in this space. So uh, allblacknationalconvention.com, that's the URL. Thank you for sharing it, Imani. Uh, the early bird tickets are available. We will sell out because we don't want the conference to be a blowout. We don't want thousands of people. We just want we just want the right people. That's it. Because I believe that if you just give me like, like a small number of the right people, that's far more important than having like millions of the wrong people. Like millions of people that are lost can't do nearly as much as a small group of very focused people. Like it's like military. If you're, if you're trying to build the, uh, the, the Navy seals or something like that, you don't want 10 million Navy seals because <laughs> 10 million people can't get through hell week, like a Navy seal. So in my book, those of you that are out here really getting it done for your families, educating your own children, building those businesses, hustling, doing your best, bettering yourselves, breaking generational curses. In my book, you are the black equivalent of the Navy SEALs. And I just want to encourage you and let you know that, you know, the rest of the world may not understand you, but I see you and I feel you and I appreciate you and I love you. So let me uh, finish up. And then I'm going to actually, I think I got to go take a nap. I got up at 4.30 this morning to go to the gym. I think I'm, I think the sleep is catching up with me. All right. So a couple more quick questions. Uh, Tesla's building robots to sell in 2027. Shouldn't we stay with Tesla based on AI progressing? Um, maybe, but really maybe a better play. If you believe robots is really the thing, Kathy Wood at ARC, they have ETFs that are based on things like robots. And the best way to invest in an industry is to, is to not try to pick one stock in that industry. That's a bad move that, 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 that's going to in the long term typically be the wrong move historically. For example, Warren Buffett does this great example and I couldn't believe it. I got to go look at it again, just to make sure I'm not making this up. He said, he said in the 19, he said, if you went back to the 1920s and 1930s, if somebody was to show you America a hundred years later, they would show you automobiles everywhere. Like there's cars, everybody has a car, right? So if you're living in the 1930s and you're thinking, how do I make money for my family? How do I build generational wealth? Oh, well, cars are going to be a big thing. So I'm going to just invest in car manufacturers. So he said, okay, so. He said in the 1940s, he said that there were, he said he had a whole screen full of car manufacturers and all the cars that were on the screen started with the letter M. All the car companies that that were on that screen started with the letter M. He didn't get to the N's and the, the O's and the P's and anything. Just, just the number of car manufacturers that started with the letter M, like Maytag. Who knew Maytag made cars? So he said, if you tried to pick, if you tried to invest in automobiles by picking one company, you would have done it wrong because most of those companies died. There aren't that many automobile manufacturers in the country today. There's less than, what, maybe five or maybe six. I can't remember. I don't know the total. I know there's the big three and maybe a couple more. I don't know the exact number, but it's not big. 
right? So, so the best way to invest in an emerging industry is to not try to pick the winner, is to pick some sort of fund that's invested in a lot of the different companies that could be the winner, right? You're spreading your money across all the different horses. Same thing can be said about the internet too. Everybody knew the internet was going to be the next big thing. The internet was to the economy in 2000, what AI is right now. Everyone knew the internet was going to be big and they were 100% correct. But if you tried to pick the winner in the internet race, you would have picked companies like AOL. You would have picked companies like Netscape, right? That's what you would have done. You wouldn't have picked Google because Google didn't even, Google barely existed in the late 90s. I don't know when they were founded, but it was it was very late in the 90s. Uh, Facebook didn't exist. So, so ultimately, the best approach would be to sort of spread your money out as opposed to trying to pick the winner. That's my point. So I would look at ARK and see if they have some robot ETF or something. If you search for ARK or ARKK, I guess that's it, in your uh, app, you'll, you'll find a bunch of them. All right, so let's see. Latoya says, will there be a BMOT track at the ABNC? Yeah, we always have a children's track. Uh, we are, we, 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 we got to modify it because we, we kind of want more kids. Um, if the group is small, it's a little bit tougher because we have to pay the extra money to get somebody to watch the kids. But go ahead and, and take that down as a yes for now. If that changes, I'll let you know in advance uh, we, because we really want it to be family friendly. So, uh, so yeah, so there is a kids track. There historically has been. Uh, Bays, is there an ETF designed just for AI stocks? Yes. Uh, the ticker symbol is AIQ, AIQ. That's one AI ETF that you can take a look at, AIQ. And uh, also, if you haven't done so yet, you text the word stock to 87948. I can send you a list of AI stocks that I like. So text stock to 87948 if you haven't done it yet. And also, if you want to join uh, the Love and Bank Accounts uh, event that we're doing tonight, actually, the formal title is Building, Bonding, and Bank Accounts uh, with my wife, Dr. Alicia. Uh, we are, our goal is to come together as two scholars. And again, this we've never seen anybody else do this. Uh, we are both PhDs and experienced professors in, fi I'm in finance. She's She trains therapists on relationships. And so we said, what? how much fun would it be if we looked at research and found the best practices to help you maximize your relationships and maximize your money and help them the two complement each other and kind of give you some do's and don'ts. So we're going to do an event tonight at eight o'clock. So if you want to get an invitation to join, uh, just text the word love to eight, seven, nine, four, eight, text love to eight, seven, nine, four, eight, eight, seven, nine, four, eight is the number for a lot of the lists. If you want to get stuff from the black business school. And in fact, also, if you want to, uh, if you haven't taken a look at the training called how to make money without working, you can text the word money to eight, seven, nine, four, eight. So we try to have something for everybody. Uh, something that'll help you guys. All right. I am done. I'm officially zonked. I need to go lay down and take a nap. I think I'm, I think I'm getting a sore throat. Um, I hope I'm not getting sick. So uh, I will see you all soon and God bless you. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and thank you, Latoya. I will get some rest. And so uh, happy, happy investing. I hope you make a ton of money. I'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.